Military murder is an independent project and is not endorsed by the Department of Defense or any military component. The views expressed are those of the host. The content of this podcast is not meant to be legal or medical advice. Warning, this episode contains graphic details of murder and is not suitable for young listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, True Crime Army. I am your host, Margot, and this is a true crime podcast where I focus on crimes committed by military members and veterans. But don't worry, you don't have to know anything about the military to listen, I promise. You just have to be a true crime enthusiast. And if that's you, welcome home. Holy smokes, y'all. I just want to say thank you so much for 800 plus reviews on Apple Podcasts. What? You all freaking rock. I am overjoyed and I actually highlighted a few written reviews last week on my Instagram. So just make sure that you're following me there. I do plan on featuring a few reviews every week on my Instagram. So keep those reviews coming as I appreciate them so much. And it really does help raise awareness about the podcast. So this week, though, I have a new challenge for my true crime warriors. If you have a friend or two who are military members, military spouses, military brats or veterans, Tell them all about Military Murder Podcast. And even better, if you have a military-specific or true crime-specific Facebook group, recommend the show. There's a lot of people who've never even heard of Military Murder. You may not know this, but as I continue to grow the show, word of mouth from show fans is the best way to help me continue to grow the show. And, you know, reviews and recommendations are completely free. And you are all helping me out in more ways than you'll ever know, which is amazeballs. (laughs) All right. So this past week, I was undecided about which case to cover next. As you all know, I have a million and one show ideas every single week, and the recommendations from my listeners never stop. So it's a little bit overwhelming to pick a new case each week. So I took to Instagram last week and asked you all what you wanted to hear, if you wanted to hear an unsolved case or a hot off the press case. And the votes are in. Looks like y'all want to hear a case that is hot off the press. And with that, today I am bringing you a case that rings more like a box office hit, like, I don't know, a few good men, except this is real life. Join me today as I discuss the murder of a Green Beret who was on a secretive mission to Mali in 2017 when he was murdered by his own comrades. But was this a prank gone terribly wrong or was this cold-blooded murder? This is the tragic story of the murder of Green Beret, Logan Melger. Now, let's dig in. My sources for this story include extensive coverage by the Daily Beast, reporting by Jeff Shogel, a senior reporter for Task and Purpose, articles in the Army Times, Washington Post, Washington Examiner, 10 Wavy, Stars and Stripes, and The Guardian. It was June 4th, 2017, and Michelle Melger, a Green Beret's wife, was just going about her day, you know. Earlier that day, she had spoken to her husband, Logan, who was deployed on a secret mission in Africa, specifically Mali. They had actually FaceTimed, as they often do, and she wasn't feeling too hot that day, experiencing a migraine of sorts. Logan had just arrived from a party at the French embassy when he called her, so he told Michelle to hang in there and to get some rest. And real quick, before they logged off, Michelle took a screenshot of the FaceTime date, which is something she did every single time she got to chat with her hubby. 
Immediately after they hung up, Logan sent her a message that read, quote, I'll talk to you in the morning. I love you. Can't live without you. Get good sleep. I know you're hurting, end quote. Molly was an interesting deployment for Logan. Logan loved deploying, but Michelle had been getting the vibe that Logan was eager to come home. He wasn't getting along great with the team he was deployed with, and he just wanted to come home. Actually, he had confided in her that he and a SEAL had gotten into a fistfight a few weeks earlier. The following morning, Michelle woke up and like most of us, she rolled over. She picked up her cell phone to read the usual morning messages from her hubby. But on this morning, there were no unread messages from him. And immediately, Michelle began to worry. I mean, every deployed member's spouse worries when they don't hear from their spouse on the regularly scheduled, slightly chaotic intervals. But this moment was different. Michelle felt in her heart, in her gut, that something was off. She texted Logan, good morning, handsome. And after about an hour or so of not hearing back, she asked him if he was okay. But she knew he wasn't. And her suspicions would be solidified when her doorbell rang. It was two men dressed in their military Sunday best with the worst news ever. Her heart sank to her toes when she heard the words, we regret to inform you. And everything after that just kind of blanked out, you know, like, she just couldn't understand what was happening. She was told that her husband, Staff Sergeant Logan Melger, had died earlier that day. She was told that Logan was found earlier that morning convulsing and throwing up blood and that two SEALs, Tony Dadolf and Adam Matthews, tried to save him, but he died anyway. Michelle immediately called their bluff, remembering the various conversations she had had with Logan since he was deployed. She knew that the SEALs in the Green Beret were having some sort of beef. And so she shouted, stop reading, stop reading. You're effing lying to me. Stop lying to me. Those little effers did this to him. And the notification team was like kind of shocked. And they were like, who do you think killed your husband? And then she said the seals. But it was a grueling 19 days of Michelle second guessing herself, wondering what the hell happened to her hubby. And after those 19 days, Michelle was finally notified the NCIS had actually taken over her husband's death investigation since they now had reason to believe that foul play was involved. Logan Melger was from Lubbock, Texas. In 2006, he graduated from Texas Tech and after college, he held a few odd jobs. One for sure was working at the mall at the Buckle Store. While working at Buckle, he'd meet his future wife, Michelle, who was three years his senior. And in 2008, they tied the knot. Well, a few years after that, in 2012, Logan enlisted in the army, becoming an infantryman before becoming an 18X, which is the army enlistment code for an off the street special forces recruit. And by 2014, he graduated from special forces qualification. Logan was fearless and was unflappable under enemy fire. He had been in Mali for four months at the time of his death, but that wasn't his first deployment. Actually, he had served two tours in Afghanistan. While in Mali, he made it a point to keep in constant communication with his wife. And whenever he had to go on missions and would be incommunicado, she'd know in advance. By the time of his death, Logan had told his wife that he really wanted to come home. He and some of the SEALs had a misunderstanding of sorts, but he refused to go into detail over the phone promising Michelle that he'd tell her all about it when he got home. But that day would never come. 
So let's talk about what happened to Logan. As reported by Kyle Remfer for the Army Times, a group of sailors, Marines, and British special operators were deployed to Bamako, Mali, and Africa. Not too many people know that troops are deployed to Mali, so they kept under the radar and lived in safe houses, and they tried to fit in with the locals as much as possible. Members of this highly trained group included Green Beret Staff Sergeant Logan Melger, who was assigned to the 3rd Special Forces Group at Fort Bragg, SEAL Team 6 members Chief Petty Officer Adam Matthews and Petty Officer Tony Dodolph, Marine Raiders Staff Sergeant Kevin Maxwell Jr., and Gunnery Sergeant Mario Madera Rodriguez. With them, they also had some British special operators. Logan was bunking with a few SEALs in a safe house, and the Marines were staying in a safe house a few blocks away. According to the Washington Post, for some reason or another, Logan and his SEAL roommates were not getting along. It appears that they had some disagreements about how they were handling their business and how they were conducting their mission. But it's the military, and you just have to suck it up. These were senior enlisted men with lots of training. They knew a thing or two about sucking it up and getting the mission accomplished. Well, things took a turn for the group on June 4th, 2017. The group, minus Logan, of course, felt that Logan thought who the hell he was, and they felt that they needed to teach this guy a lesson. While tensions may have been high for some time, on this night in particular, they were driving through the city. Logan was supposed to be like the lead, while the other men were in a different vehicle. Well, Logan, allegedly, instead of staying with the other car, He sped off, leaving his team behind and heading to the French embassy, where he would be rubbing elbows with some higher ups. The team that was left behind thought that was a pretty dick move, considering they were always in dangerous situations. Eventually, the group of men got to where they were going, which was the Appaloosa bar, and they sat down and started throwing back some drinks. But make no mistake about it, Logan was a hot topic of discussion that night. Eventually, the men transitioned to a nightclub called Byplos, and it was there that they came up with a hazing job. They'd later call the tape job. Apparently, it's a thing that they do when someone gets out of hand, you know, whatever that means. As the men threw back their drinks, they laughed, imagining the look on Logan's face when they pranked him. They imagined getting back at Logan for being such a douche. Haha, we'll teach him a lesson, they thought. It was all in good fun, though, at first, just imagining if they hazed him, this is how they would do it. But as the drinks flowed, the beer, the whiskey, they got more and more brazen. And ultimately, they decided it was a done deal. Tonight, they'd haze Logan. The plan was break into Logan's room while he was sleeping, grab him, duct tape him and record the entire incident to embarrass him later. Done. Perfect plan. What could possibly go wrong, right? Well, the men, before they went through with the prank, they wanted to get permission from their chain of command. So they asked their Molly team lead, Sergeant First Class Morris, if they had the green light to haze Logan. Mind you, it was early morning, like four or five, five o'clock in the morning after they had been all partying, so it's unclear if they woke Morris up and if Morris even knew what he was agreeing to. But Morris was like, yeah, 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 do whatever you want. So at about 5 a.m., the group of heavily trained special forces troops began to execute their plan. In the group was Navy SEALs Tony Dodolph and Adam Matthews, Marine Raiders Kevin Maxwell and Mario Madera Rodriguez, together with a British special operator and two Malian guards. 
Logan was fast asleep when one of the men used a sledgehammer to break down Logan's door. They didn't need a sledgehammer because they could have just got in much quicker, but they liked the effect of it, recognizing that Logan would be freaking the hell out. Once they gained entry, Tony Dadoff quick incapacitated Logan by placing him in a blood choke to keep him from moving, flailing, and honestly from fighting back. Adam Matthews then began to duct tape Logan's ankles and wrists. And during the prank, Logan lost consciousness for a few seconds. And when he came to, Tony was quick to choke him out yet again. Mind you, the British operator was capturing this prank on his cell phone. And in a real life, a few good men scenario. Now, if you haven't watched that movie, please do because it's so good. Well, again, in a real life, a few good men scenario, Logan stopped moving. But not only that, he actually stopped breathing. The men quickly realized something wasn't right. So they allegedly immediately stopped the assault and began CPR. How quickly a group of drunk men transitioned from frat boy debauchery to military bearing and attempting to save someone's life is unclear, but nonetheless, they claim the attempted CPR. When that failed to work, they decided they were going to get all Grey's Anatomy up in that joint and they performed a field expedient tracheotomy where they, no kidding, cut a hole in Logan's throat to see if they could get him to breathe. But it was no use. So they quick put Logan in the car and drove him to a nearby French hospital where he was declared dead. At the hospital, according to NBC News, Tony admitted to choking Logan, but apparently that statement was not revealed to anyone until much later. Hi, everyone. For anyone who follows me on Instagram, I recently posted a picture of me with my kiddos at Disney in front of the Disney castle. But I posted it because my shoulders were looking on fire, defined, toned, and overall just pleasant to look at. So many of you asked me in my DMs for my secret. And of course, my secret is 4 a.m. workouts. But I get the oomph to wake up at 4 a.m. and work out from my pre-workout drink called Energy Explosion. My pre-workout powder was created by world-renowned fitness guru Natalia Melofit. I have been following Natalia for many years now. And in fact, after my second C-section, I hired her as my fitness trainer. And she also helped me postpartum with my third C-section as well. So when she came out with a pre-workout supplement that didn't cause any of the jitters and the crashing, I knew I needed to try it. Energy Explosion helps with energy and it keeps me going all through the morning hours. Because I take it first thing in the morning, which is when I choose to work out, I no longer require that morning cup of joe. This pre-workout has nootropic ingredients, which significantly help me personally with mental clarity and focus, which listen, when you're juggling what feels like hundreds of tasks a day, it truly does help. And guess what? My listeners are getting 15% off your order. What? Yes, please. If you're ready to get the pump without the jitters, visit mbodysup.com and enter my code MAMAMARGO at checkout for 15% off your order. That's M as in Mike, body, sup as in Sierra, uniform, papa, papa, dot com. Add energy explosion to your car and use my code MAMAMARGO, that's M-A-M-A-M-A-R-G-O-T for 15% off. Enjoy. And when you use it, please DM me so we can talk about your workouts. When leadership was informed of Logan's death, the men didn't admit to anything. Instead, Tony had informed the men after Logan's death 
that the SEALs would take the brunt of the blame. He didn't think it was necessary to drag anyone else under. However, they were not going to admit to the prank gone wrong. They were just going to say that Logan was drunk, they were all drunk, and at 5 a.m. they found themselves wrestling or performing what they call combatives when Logan began to convulse. They also thought it was a good idea to return to the safe house immediately after taking Logan to the hospital to discard all of the alcohol because it was actually against General Order 1 to drink while in this location. The men even went as far as filling out an incident report that said something similar. But then an autopsy revealed no traces of drugs or alcohol in Logan's system. And so they changed their story. Meanwhile, back in the States, Michelle is raising hell because she knows full well that her husband was murdered. And simultaneously, the special operations commander at the time, Brigadier General Donald Bolduc, was reading reports from the incident and he knew they weren't adding up. So he asked NCIS to get involved and called down to his commanders in charge in Mali and told them secure the scene. But it's my understanding that this was not immediate. And some of the evidence had already been tampered with, including one of the men present during the murder walking through the crime scene with his boss or with somebody explaining a few things, which is a big no-no in crime scene preservation. In any event, according to Michelle, it was 19 days after she was notified of her husband's death that she was informed his death was being investigated as suspicious. But it would take almost a year and a half for anyone, I mean, absolutely anyone to be charged with Logan's death. In fact, the four American military men involved in Logan's murder, they continued to live the good life. In fact, the man who we can say is most responsible for Logan's death, the man who placed him in a chokehold, well, not even two months after Logan's death, he was placed on the promotion list listed as the 15th out of 70-ish most qualified people to promote to the rank of E7. And he ended up pinning on a few months later, even though by this point, the NCIS investigation was going hot and heavy. Eventually, in late 2018, the four men were all charged by the military with felony murder. But one by one, they'd make a plea deal with the government each one by one agreeing to plea and testify against the others in exchange for leniency and reduced charges. The first one on the chopping block was Navy SEAL Adam Matthews. 33 years old at the time of his court-martial, he was a Purple Heart recipient. His court-martial took place in May of 2019. Turns out that Adam had no kidding, just arrived in Mali 36 hours or so before Logan's death. What? Once he arrived in country, he had been back briefed on all the drama. And well, I guess he just got caught up in the antics that night and went along with the prank, never really thinking anyone would die. Adam pled guilty to conspiracy to commit assault, unlawful entry, hazing, obstruction of justice and assault consummated by battery. Remember, this is the guy who was taping Logan as he probably looked him in the eyes with nothing but terror. Surprisingly, Adam appears to have received the sweetheart deal of all sweetheart deals, if you can believe that that is a thing. In exchange for him pleading guilty, 
instead of his case being heard at a general court martial, which is the military equivalent to a felony level court, Adam Matthews's case was heard before a special court martial, which is equivalent to a misdemeanor civilian court. What? Gulp, just absolute gulp. After he pled guilty, Adam made a statement to the court where he admitted that, quote, on June 4th, 2017, the Navy expected me to lead. I've carried the weight of Staff Sergeant Melger's death every minute of every day since that night in Mali, end quote. Adam fully accepted responsibility and accepted whatever punishment was given, which is slightly comical in my personal opinion, considering the most he could get at a special court martial is one year in jail and a bad conduct discharge. And with that, that's what he received. He was sentenced to one year in jail, a reduction in rank to E5, and a bad conduct discharge from the Navy. Recently, I covered two unsolved cases, which I am sure caused you to pause and analyze your inner detective. Well, if you want to hone in on that inner detective, then you need to check out June's Journey. June's Journey is a mobile game that you can play anywhere while connected to Wi-Fi. June's Journey takes you through the main character, June's, adventure to uncover family secrets. Her first task is to uncover the mystery of her sister's death. You will be using your keen eye to spot hidden clues in the immersive scenes that take you across the globe. The scene is set in the 1920s, so it's like going back in time. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game, and I love playing while waiting for my kids at the bus stop. It allows me to clear my mind from the tasks of the day and to refocus on my mommy duties. What I love about June's Journey is that not only are you searching for objects, but you can join other players online in a detective club. And then you also get to design this luxurious island estate that is all yours. And if you have friends who play, you can gift each other trees, flowers, and other amazing decorative items. Today, I invite you to escape reality and immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Go ahead, download June's Journey today. A month after Adam's court-martial, the second court-martial in Logan's death took place. Marine Staff Sergeant Kevin Maxwell Jr., 29, was next on the chopping block. He joined the Marines back in 2008 and had been assigned to Camp Lejeune in 2013. That's where he was deployed out of at the time of Logan's death. As reported by the Virginian pilot, Kevin pled guilty to negligent homicide, conspiracy to commit assault, obstructing justice, and making false official statements to investigators. So I want to talk a little bit about military trials and guilty pleas. Military trials is one of the jurisdictions that require people who are pleading guilty to explain to the court the events or facts which caused them to be guilty. If a person cannot articulate how they're guilty, then the guilty plea is considered improvident and the government is forced to prove the parts of the crime which the person failed to properly admit to or basically to prove the whole case from scratch. In any event, during Kevin's trial, he makes a shocking revelation that made me shake to the core. According to reporting by Dan Lamoth from the Washington Post, Kevin told the court that part of the men's hazing plan included, wait for it, sexually assaulting Logan while recording it. What in the actual world? 
this is crazy. Dan Lamoth indicates in his story that the Washington Post obtained a copy of the stipulation of fact and they actually verified this information about the sexual assault with two additional sources, which I think is absolute insanity. Now, I should add that others in this case dispute the sexual assault scheme, but the fact that this is allegedly in a stipulation of fact is just absolutely shocking to me if this was, in fact, their intent. Well, Kevin, not having the protection of a special court martial, was convicted and sentenced to four years in prison, a bad conduct discharge and reduction in rank to private. Now, this case has been going on for three plus years, which is a very long time. Tony Dadoff, the alleged mastermind of this entire thing, well, he was on the chopping block next. Tony joined the Navy back in 2003 and he joined SEAL Team 6 in 2008. So he was an experienced SEAL. But on top of being an experienced SEAL, he was also an MMA fighter. Although his professional record was laughable, coming in at one win, five losses, and one draw. But even with that record, I have no doubt in my mind that he knew exactly what he was doing that night. I must add that COVID-19 screwed Tony's trial schedule big time. In January of 2020, Tony pled not guilty to a few things. Felony murder, involuntary manslaughter, obstruction of justice, hazing, and burglary. His attorney filed a motion to dismiss the felony murder charge for whatever reason, but the motion was denied. Tony's defense did see a big victory, though, when the judge ordered the Navy to hire a few defense experts, including a forensic pathologist, a DNA analyst, and a crime scene expert. According to the Washington Examiner, this was a huge success, as the defense request for those experts had previously been denied. Tony's trial was scheduled to begin originally on March 23, 2020, which y'all know already, COVID. It was then rescheduled for July 2020, and for reasons unknown, it was pushed to February 2021. So you can imagine I had been following this case closely. And finally, in 2021, we got a resolution in Tony's court-martial. I'm sure it took lots of legal wranglings, but eventually Tony also pled guilty. He was facing up to 22 years in prison. Tony basically told a similar story as described above, and he was convicted. For sentencing, though, he did choose a little bit of an unconventional panel. He asked for the sentencing portion of his case to be heard before officer and enlisted members. Some people tend to think that having a mixed panel may result in a more lenient sentence. And in Tony's case, I'm not sure it worked out in his favor. He was ultimately sentenced to 10 years in prison, reduction to E1, and a dishonorable discharge. Of all of the charges he was originally facing, I thought this was a fair, albeit light, sentence. Tony's attorney, on the other hand, is heated with the sentence. According to a news article I read, Tony's attorney, Philip Stackhouse, he felt that the jury didn't deliberate long enough to come to a fair conclusion. He said they will be appealing the sentence. Here's another interesting tidbit that I learned from an article in the Daily Beast. Well, as part of Tony's plea agreement with the government, he is precluded from ever profiting from the case in any way, including writing books or earning a living based on his experience at SEAL Team 6. 
Mario Madera Rodriguez, he's the last on the chopping block, and boy, has it been a long journey. His trial was scheduled to begin in April of 2020. It was postponed until September 2020, and now it has been postponed yet again. And while I thought I'd have the entire story for you today, unfortunately, I do not, as his trial has been postponed until April 2021. In November of 2017, long before anyone was charged with anything, the Daily Beast reported a story. They claimed that special forces stationed in areas with little oversight are given funds to pay informants. Well, in this case, sources told the Daily Beast that the SEALs were in fact pocketing this informant fund money. Logan, not a part of the scheme, was offered a cut, but he said no. So the innuendo from this article is that it's possible there was a bigger motive for killing Logan to silence him. Unfortunately, we will never know the truth, as at least three of the four military members have pled guilty and haven't had to tell too much of the story. As reported by the Daily Beast, a Special Operations Command ethics review was conducted in early 2021, and the review found, wait for it, surprise, surprise, no systematic problem in the special ops community. But they did acknowledge that 20 years at war had degraded leadership development among the ranks. Army General Richard Clark, the SOCOM commander, has said, quote, the bottom line is that we have disproportionately focused on employment and mission accomplishment at the expense of the training and development of the force, end quote. What I found most shocking, and I'm not sure why, but during one of the courts martial, it was reported that pranks, fights, and cruel jokes are common practice in the special forces community. In fact, it appears that they arise out of boredom. A bunch of young people sitting around in a foreign country, waiting on missions, missing their families, and just straight bored. The Virginian pilot described a few of these pranks, which really just horrified me to pieces. For example, they described one prank involving Marines where they taped another Marine in a sleeping bag. Then they taped the sleeping bag to a Humvee and then they drove it across town. Can you imagine being that Marine strapped to the front of a Humvee? The Virginian pilot also describes another prank involving taping a Marine between two mattresses and then throwing the Marine mattress sandwich off a second floor balcony. Yikes! And then we wonder about traumatic brain injuries. All right, so if you were to ask me my recommended fix, here it is. Take away the duct tape. Nitza Melger, Logan's mom, spoke during the sentencing portion of The Men. But I found her words during Adam Matthews' sentencing to have stuck with me. She told him, quote, You, sir, are a murderer. Logan's blood will never wash off of you. You are a disgrace to your purple heart. May God have mercy on your soul, end quote. She further said, quote, You stole him from us. When Logan died, we all died. And I really wish you were going to prison for the rest of your life, end quote. Sadly, Adam Matthews is already out of jail, having likely spent less than a year in jail due to good time. 
Logan Melger is survived by his wife, his son from a previous relationship, and his two stepsons. Michelle, you know, she could be off living a bitter, bitter life. Imagine, four comrades, brothers in arms, took her one true love. But she has chosen a different path, a more noble path. She is ready to forgive. She told the Daily Beast, that if she doesn't forgive the men, then the four men are taking who she is and they have already taken enough. Michelle said, quote, if they change me, then evil wins and they don't get to do that, end quote. If you're interested in hearing the rest of this story, once we know what happens in the fourth guy's court-martial, I urge you to follow me on social media so that you can have a quick update when that happens. Follow me on Instagram at Military Murder Podcast and follow my Facebook page at facebook.com slash military true crime. All right, I want to take this opportunity to shout out my newest fan club supporters, Heidi H, Diana C, Mia V, Lindsay M, Melissa W, Kathy J, Tracy C, Brittany N, Ashley S, and Gabriel D. This show was created by Mama Margot Productions and produced in collaboration with my bootcamp and higher fan club members. This month's executive producers are Falcon 13 and Nicole G. This week's newest associate producer is ZB. And our newest assistant producers are Gray F and Tiana R. The music was created by Tyops. Until next time, remember, you never really know what someone is capable of. So remain vigilant always. You have a fabulous week and I'll keep digging to bring you another military murder story next week. podcast.